So, um, I was awesome. I loved hearing y'all sing. I loved hearing y'all worship. And so does God. Uh, it brings a smile to his face uh, when he hears people praising his name and giving glory to him. Go ahead and turn to Mark 3 for me, please. Mark 3. Now, if you don't know where Mark is, it's okay. Just turn in the Bible to the table of contents. And you look for the name Mark and go to that page. And then once you get there, look for the big number three. And once you add a thick number three, find the little uh, number 20. So Mark 3, 20 through 34. Alright. So, did not today we're going to look at Three, three responses to Jesus. Three responses. Um, and before we get started, I want you to think of times where people have misunderstood you. For instance, when I was uh, growing up, people thought I had a temper problem because I was redheaded. Now, I did have a temper problem. It had nothing to do with my red hair. Um... Uh, and I always felt like I was not advocate, I was not given the proper chance when I did athletics because I was small. But as people got to know me, they understood that I was a little more than what I looked like. And maybe you've been, maybe not an athletic thing, but maybe someone has had a different view of you that who you really were. It was the wrong you. Maybe they are judging you just based on your looks or judging you um, based on how you walked or something. Here we're looking at two groups of people who, who see Jesus and get the whole idea of him completely wrong, which impedes his mission. I want us to understand who Jesus really is. So during the series of Who Is This? If we go through the book of Mark, we'll start to see who Jesus is, which is he is the Son of God, and He's fully God and fully man at the same time. And He's not just someone that we take great teachings from. We do learn from Him. But also, He is worthy to follow. He is worthy of us listening to whatever He tells us to do and do it. He is the one that should direct our lives. So, let's look at verse 20 all the way through verse 34. Okay, then he, Jesus, went home, and the crowd gathered again so they could not even eat. And when his family heard it, they went out to seize him, for they were saying, He is out of his mind. And the scribes who came down from Jerusalem were saying, He is possessed by Beelzebul, and by, prince of, and by the prince of demons he cast out the demons. And he called, to them, called them to him and said to them, in parables. How can Satan cast out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house is divided against itself, then that house will not be able to stand. And if Satan has risen up against himself and is divided, he cannot stand, but he is coming to an end. But no one can enter a strong man's house and plunder his goods unless he first binds the strong man and then indeed that he may plunder his house. Truly, I say to you, all the sins will be forgiven, the children of man, 
and whatever blasphemies they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit never has forgiveness, but is guilty of ex ex eternal sin, for they were saying he has an unclean spirit. And his mother and his brothers came, standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. And Jesus answered them, Who are my mother and my brothers? And looking about at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother, here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. Okay, so I said we have three responses with Jesus here. We got two groups of people that get the, get the wrong response and, I, and see Jesus as the wrong thing. And then we have another group of people who actually understands who Jesus is. Now, Mark tells us two stories here. He starts out with his family coming. And then he all of a sudden talks about some scribes talking to him and giving him the wrong identity. And then he, he finishes that story. Then he goes back to his family story. So we got two stories, and one is sandwiched in between the beginning and end of one. So basically, if this was a PB&J sandwich, the family story is the bread, and the, scribes, the scribe story is the PB&J. Now, who likes PB&J? If you're not raising your hand, you need to get your life together, okay? But, so... And the point is that both the family, his own family, and the scribes identify him wrongly. Now, what does the family do? They come to, they come to him, and they're looking for him, and they want to seize him. That means they want to take him forcefully. It's kind of like when you see a kid that's at like the grocery store that's acting up, and the mom and dad want to really just grab him by the neck, you know, Kind of like what Dylan does. I'm just kidding, Dylan. But you just want to, they just want to grab him and spank him right there. But the kid's acting up, right? We've seen that. But what it is, they think he is a madman. They think he is crazy. It literally says that they, were, they thought he was out of his mind. Now here's one thing people think about Jesus. Here's, you got to think about this. Either Jesus was a madman. He was crazy. Or if we go to look at the next part of the story where he describes, they literally think he is Satan. He is a liar. Or we look at what the group that he calls his brothers and sisters, and they understand him as the son of God. He is, he is God. He's telling the truth. So either Jesus is a madman, or he's a liar, or he really says, he really is what he says he is, which he says he is God. So the family thinks he is a madman. Which is a big deal, because in this culture, it's a big deal to make sure you bring honor to your family. And they, don't, they do not think he's bringing honor. They think he's bringing shame, so they want to bring him down. They don't truly understand who he is. Here's the truth, though. If you're following Jesus, sometimes people are going to think you are crazy. Think about this. We believe, if you're a believer, and if you're not, I know we, we believe some crazy things, but we believe that God spoke 
creation into existence. We also think a big fish swallowed a man and spit him out three days later. The fact that a fish swallowed a man and the guy lived is crazy, but also that he lived in the belly of a fish for three days. We also think some prophets split a sea, uh, a prop, uh, Moses split the Red Sea, which would be like, I don't know, um, the Great Lakes splitting. And we also think uh, Jesus was born from Virgin Mary. You're fine. We also think that Jesus came back from the dead. We believe that he came back from the dead and then he ascended to heaven. So there are some crazy things. But if Jesus is who he says he is, and he has these great teachings, you have to accept that. You don't have to, but if you're going to believe, you're going to believe in his teachings, you can't say, I believe in his teachings, but also think that's crazy, that he's crazy. Now, some of you may not believe or some of, may, may, some of you are. When you follow Christ, people don't think you're weird, and sometimes a family may disown you. There was a, two girls. I can't say their real names, but the names they were used were given in this book called Analia and Praveen. They were in Pakistan. Analia was a Christian. She told Praveen about Jesus Christ. Praveen was from a Muslim family. And she started listening to Christian music. This happened in 1997, y'all, which that sounds old to y'all. It's really not that old. And eventually, Praveen became a believer in Jesus because she understood that Jesus brings life, unlike the Muslim faith. When they found out, but when Praveen's family found out, they wanted to find out how she came to know about Jesus. And they, they found that it was Analia's friend. They got that family thrown in jail. Well, Praveen saw what's going to happen to her, so she ran away. Well, eventually, Praveen's family found her. And in that society, you can beat people for becoming a Christian. Her brother killed her for that. Jesus says, we'll be persecuted if you follow him, because the world hates him. But Jesus also said, love your enemies. When he died on the cross... He was praying to the Father to forgive those who were killing him. He literally was loving and praying for his enemies while they were killing him. Now later on, Analia, I think I saying her name wrong, but she eventually, was. they were released, but she was still able to share the good news of Christ. And one day she'll get to see, her, she'll get to see Praveen again, and we'll get to see Praveen. Just because your family may think you're crazy or may disown you for following Christ, it's okay because Christ is worth following. Now the other thing that happens, the scribes come and they see Jesus. And they've seen Jesus perform miracles. It talks about that in, uh, in Mark 2, Mark 1. And there's crowds following him. In fact, there's a crowd so big around him, they can't even like raise their hand to eat. Now, if we did that right now, a lot of people would be probably getting COVID or something like that. But imagine, how, imagine this room so full we can't even raise our, hand, raise our arm or hand to eat something. They're wanting to see Jesus. 
Now, these scribes have seen Jesus take, bring demons out of people. And they accuse him of being Satan or being a demon himself. And Jesus basically, and he makes them look foolish by telling two stories. He talks about a uh, house divided. Now, there's a, there's a big thing that happened in the United States uh, called the Civil War. And Abraham Lincoln was a senator when he made a speech about house divided cannot stand. This, that speech comes from the scripture. House divided cannot stand on itself. And he basically says, if he was Satan, why is he destroying, other, why is he destroying demons? Which means, if Satan is really going to try to d defeat the world, why would he destroy his own helpers? So he made them look foolish that way. And then he tells another story about entering a strong man's house. Now here's the thing of what he's doing. He's saying Satan is a strong man, and the house for him is earth. Right now, Satan is the prince of earth, but one day, Jesus is coming back completely to take everything that belongs to him. He, he is the ruler of all creation. And what he was saying in this point right here to the scribes is that, hey, Satan time, Satan's time on earth is up. I, and he is the stronger one who, who ties up the strong man. While, he, while Satan is a strong man, Jesus is stronger. He is better. And he's saying, my kingdom is here. His kingdom is here now. It's not completely here, but it will be. And he also talks about something else. He tells the scribes, he gives them a warning about unforgivable sin. Now let me help you understand this. You can be forgiven of anything. If you're a believer, you're forgiven. If you're an unbeliever, you can be forgiven. There is one sin, though, that Jesus warns about. And it's the eternal sin, which is knowingly and willingly, persistently attribute to Satan the works of God by, in, in, by and in Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit. Basically saying, whatever Jesus does in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is working, you're saying that's Satan doing it. And that's a persistent thing. It's not like, oh, so let me, let me tell you, if you've ever, if you've thought about that, then you probably have not committed that sin. If you're wondering if I've done that sin, you probably have not committed that sin. I guarantee you you have not. But don't walk away from what the uncommitted sin. I want you to understand this. More importantly is that people will say that you're a madman. Jesus will say he's a man. Or people will say that Jesus could be a madman or a crazy man. Or he could be a liar. People will do that to you as well if you follow Jesus. But take hope in that. Because that means you're following him. You're bringing glory to him. But look what he does when, when then he goes, after he talks to the scribes, he goes back, gives his attention back to his family. And they ask him, who, and they say, hey, your family's here. He's like, who's my mother and brother? And he looks around and he sees these people that are following him. He's looking at his disciples. And he said, this is my mothers and brothers and sisters. See, the true understanding of Jesus is that he is the Savior. He is the God, the one who has rescued us, and he wants us to be into it. He wants us to be a part of his divine family. And look what he says in verse 34. It's really important that we understand this. And looking at those who sat around him, he said, Here are my mother and brothers, for whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. 
Whoever does the will of God is his brother and mother and sister. Now understand this. Jesus is the Son of God. There's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And Jesus is the Son. And Jesus says those who does God's will, and Luke, the Gospel of Luke, shares the same story. And he does a little more detail. He says, whoever hears God's word and obeys his word, a.k.a. obey God's word, is Jesus' brother and sisters. Therefore, those who obey are God's children. Now, I have a two-year-old and a five- or six-month-old. For the most part, my two-year-old listens. There's some times she doesn't. She's in the terrible twos. For the most part, she does. But listen, she doesn't obey me to get love from me and doesn't obey me to get acceptance from me. She obeys me because she is loved by me and she's accepted by me. So being a child of God, you don't obey him to get his love. You obey him because you are loved. See, you're, everyone is invited into the kingdom of God. And all you got to do is repent of your sins and follow him, which means to listen to his word and obey it. And you don't try to earn merit. You can't earn your salvation. All you simply do is, oh, I'm obeying. I'm accepted. I'm accepted. So I'm going to obey. I'm loved, so I'm going to listen. Everywhere else in the world, everything you do, for instance, you want to make a sport team, you got to try out. you got to earn your way onto the team. If you want to get high on a roll or whatever, you got to earn your grades. If you want to get a nice house, you got to earn a living paycheck that pays enough to get you a nice house. We can't earn our way to God. We've all fallen short of it. But Jesus says he would take the work for you. He would, die on this, he would die on the cross for us. We deserve death for sinning against God. But Jesus said, I will take that punishment for you so that you can be brothers and sisters to me and receive the inheritance of the Lord. Now we, if you're a believer, you're a brother and sister. Think about this. You can be brothers and sisters to the ones who have come before you. We are brothers and sisters to Anali and Praveen, if you're a believer. We have, see, being a family and being a part of the family of God doesn't mean, oh, I'm, I come from this family, so I'm worthy of this. No, we are part of we are a part of a family that goes through generations. It goes across nations. It grows across bloodlines. It unites our ancestors. It unites the ones who come after us. No other family does that. And you don't have to earn your way into it. 
Jesus did it for you. So put your faith in him. I always want to challenge you to put your faith in Christ. Because it's the only it's the only person that accepts you despite who you are. And then he loves you so much. He wants to make you better. Make you what you're built to be. Change you for your true design that God has for your, has for your life. No one else does that.